0: we Hi, my name is Tony Palais, and this is my first contribution to Hacker Public Radio. Today, I want to talk to you about Octopress and advocate the use of static site generators to help you create websites and build the HTML necessary to um, do anything from build your blog to uh, create a product catalog or portfolio website. Um, I, for a long time, have uh, run a small blog called, uh, ilearnthings.com where I post a, or I have posted a series of, uh, tutorial screencasts with the hopes of teaching people valuable business skills, specifically how to use free and open source software such as, uh, LibreOffice, OpenOffice, those type of things. Because in my work, I have found that, you know, a lot of people really lack some of these very basic word processing and office uh, software type skills and the beauty is that there's a there are a number of free programs out there and free educational material which you as a prospective employee can uh, learn in order to empower yourself uh, be able to get a good uh, or higher paying job and uh, improve your uh, situation in life uh, so it's something I've been very passionate about in providing this uh, free education and I had built my uh, web blog on, uh, you know, one of the most common platforms, which is uh, WordPress. And for a long time, I was very satisfied with the results. Uh, but, I don't know, maybe a year ago or so, I received a notice from Google saying that my site had been delisted for possible uh, malicious activity. And this kind of sent me into a panic because, I, you know, I don't have the resources or anything to continually monitor my website uh, to make sure, sure everything's running fine and I was panicking because I thought someone had hacked it maybe uh, you know t- taken over my website and done who knows what so I began the process of investigation I took the site offline I uh, compared the actual code that was on the site with backups that I had uh, through a series of divs to try to figure out what what had changed and what Had caused Google to delist my site and mark it as uh, malicious. Uh, In the end, I couldn't really ever figure out what what the issue was. Uh, The the closest explanation I had was that there was a uh, link or an image link uh, which I had uh, posted from the SoCal Linux Expo advertising my attendance at scale. And um, that image had been taken down from their website, so it was pointing to a blank image. And I think that might have been what cause Google to delist my site or market as malicious. But I have no confirmation of that. uh, And there's really, you know, when you're investigating these things, you know, there's no sure way or I I find it can be incredibly difficult to determine exactly what the issue may be because there's just so many variables. Uh, In the end, I was able to get Google to uh, list my site again. uh, It seemed that I have resolved all the issues, but uh, really I... I was kind of disappointed in WordPress itself because I know WordPress is vulnerable to a lot of issues. You have to continuously ensure that you maintain this website up to, or the, not the website, but the content management system, WordPress itself as a system, you have to constantly update it, um, because it is a big target to be exploited. Now, the web has benefited greatly from dynamic languages such as PHP, Perl, Ruby, and Python to create websites that are rich and engaging. And allow us to have conversations online. When the Word web first came out, it was, uh I remember back to those days, Um it was very much a one-way conversation. It was some, a way for us to just post information online and kind of uh, didact it. And, and it Expel what was on our mind and, and have other people read it. But it was very uncommon for these other people, these millions of people online to actually interact with our web, with these web pages. And, and that, that's really what the big revolution of what's called Web 2.0 brought is this sort of interactivity, uh, this emphasis on conversation and, and, uh, interaction and, and, and where our users are invested in the content itself that, that is created on these websites. And these sorts of websites would not have been possible without these dynamic languages. But at the same time, these languages brought in a lot of, uh, security issues that you now have to worry about if you're building a website in PHP or Ruby or Perl or, uh, any of those other languages because it, it allows, uh, potentially, mini- or malicious people to potentially alter the contents of your website, to do make it, your website do things that you don't want them to do. So one way to uh, eliminate many of these risks is to make your website static. In other words, uh, make it so nothing can change on the website. And though you're still vulnerable to exploits in the... Um, security of the underlying operating system or the security of your web server itself that's serving up these pages, you do eliminate a lot of the potential avenues of attack by providing only static HTML pages. Now, of course, you're saying, well, aren't we just returning to a time where we're just posting information online and we're not, we're not allowing our users or our viewers, our web page viewers to interact with the content that we have? listed on the website. And, and, yeah, I mean, to a large extent, yes, uh, you know, we are, but we're doing that on purpose. And for uh, a great number of websites, it's really all that is needed. You know, blogs, the purpose of a blog is in many times for us to express ourselves, our ideas, document what we've been through, document things that we have learned. Um, and and that takes primacy over the actual uh, interaction with our viewers. And that's not to say that... Uh, Interactions is, is completely eliminated if we, uh, resort to static websites because, uh, most modern web browsers do allow, uh, JavaScript and, uh, you can simulate a degree of interactivity, uh, using JavaScript as a tool. So when I made the decision to, uh, change my WordPress blog to a static website uh, my biggest concern was this would my users be able to interact Do they feel vested in the actual website and the content that i was providing and you know normally this is done through allowing users or viewers to enter comments and interact with you in that format but um, I, f- I found that there was a um, a service a software as a service called discuss which you could embed into your website which would allow you to um, provide comments, even though your website itself, uh, was static and unchanging. And it did that by, uh, by allowing you to embed a piece of JavaScript, which would communicate to a third party server. And of course, these comments would then be stored in this third party server. So the disadvantage was that I didn't manage these comments and they weren't really mine. They were on this third party server. But the advantage was that it's one less thing that I had to worry about in terms of managing my site. So then I set out, once I figured out, okay, well, this, this problem is is solved, I don't have to worry about not being able to provide comments or some form of interaction with my users. I set about trying to find what what would be the best way to uh, generate a static HTML website. And there are a number of static HTML uh, site generators out there. Pretty much any program langu- programming language you can think of has one. And probably the most common, the most popular one is one called Jekyll, uh, which um, was pioneered by GitHub. Uh, GitHub, of course, is an online community uh, centered around uh, Git and and, uh, project and development. Uh, They offer open source projects the ability to host their code for free. And uh, they use Jekyll to create their... Uh, what they call GitHub pages, which are basically project pages or websites that are hosted on GitHub, uh, that can be specific to a single user or a project itself. I looked at that and Jekyll is great, but it's very bare bones. Um, it, it basically, all it does is give you a series of scripts that help you automate it, but you're still building a website essentially from scratch. And, uh, though there's a lot of power in, it, in Jekyll, there is a little bit of a time commitment necessary in order to get it up and running, uh, and design the way that you want. Uh, the second project that I look at, looked at was uh, Jekyll Bootstrap, which, which basically took Jekyll and added some scripts to, uh, configure some of the very basic stuff that you would need out of the box, such as themes and, uh, uh basic deploying, uh, scripts and, and those kind of things. But Jekyll Bootstrap, Fell out of favor, or didn't fall out of favor, but but it was um, the the originator of that project moved on to other projects, and so it's kind of fallen by the wayside and replaced by other more currently maintained projects. I also took a look at Pelican, which was um, a Python version essentially of uh, Jekyll, and I like that one a lot because uh, Python comes by default in a lot of Linux operating systems, and I use Linux. As my own operating system, so I didn't have to really install too many other dependencies. Uh, but still, I f- I found better options. And then there was a HPR episode number one two zero three on Templar, which is perl based. Uh, another good example of the of a static site generator. But again, I'm not I'm not an expert on Perl. I do I do know Ruby quite well and I know a little bit of Python so I felt a lot more comfortable in those languages and the nice thing about a static site generator if you know these languages you can really customize it to your needs so you can really take it and run with it and and the idea of these uh site, static site generators is that you write code to basically create these sites for you and um really simplify the process of, uh, in my case, of creating my blog, uh, creating new blog posts, uh, updating the RSS feed, uh, embedding the videos, the pictures, and so on and so forth. So uh, finally, the one I settled on was a tool called Octopress, and it's available at octopress.org. And the reason I settled on this particular one is that, one, it's it's based on Jekyll, which is um Again, one of the most popular static site generators. And, but on top of that, it, it adds a number of really useful tools um, that I really enjoyed. Um, it was based in Ruby, and Ruby is a language that I'm very comfortable in. And if you're not familiar with Ruby or never programmed in Ruby, it's something I highly recommend getting into. It's a very expressive uh, programming language. Um, it's available pretty much in any operating system and uh it's very easy to read and you know the the adage basically goes that ruby was designed for programmer happiness. So if you're a programmer and you like or even if you're not a programmer if you do any programming and you like to be happy, why not give ruby a try? Now, <laughs> it's kind of cliche to say that, but in in truth that that has been my experience. I'm not really a professional programmer, but I do enjoy programming and solving problems, uh, using programming tools such as, uh, uh, the Ruby language. So Ruby, uh, as the programming language for Octopress and, uh, really allows for very expressive scripts and very easy to modify, um, templating system. Octopress also uses, uh, SAS, which stands for syntactically awesome style sheets, which is essentially, uh, of, uh, I guess it's a, Preprocessor processor uh, for CSS. In other words, it lets you write code that looks very similar to CSS code, but gives you a few additional uh, options which are not available in CSS, including the use of variables. So if you have, uh, for example, colors that you want to define for your particular website, you can define variables for these colors. And if you ever down the line need to change the colors, instead of changing every instance, where a particular color appears in your CSS file, you just change the instance where you declare the variable. And what SAS does is compile these files into regular CSS. So this SAS, if you've never used it to build websites, is really a tremendous tool. Octopress comes with SAS. It uses it by default. If it's not something you've used it for, it might take a little use getting used to to actually harness the power of SAS. But the nice thing about SAS is if you don't know SAS or you don't know the SAS syntax, you can just write... Uh, CSS, and it will still work. There's not nothing more that you have to learn in order to use it, but if you do spend the time to learn SAS, you will be rewarded. It also uses Twitter Bootstrap as the uh, basic template of the system, and Twitter Bootstrap is a HTML5 template, essentially, uh, used quite commonly in modern websites, and, and what it offers is a very modern, very beautiful, very uh, simple design uh, that is scalable across a wide, wide variety of different screen re- resolutions. And the reason that's important is because as devices, we, we kind of have huge variety of different resolutions. We have cell phones and we have monitors. We have, uh, retina displays or high resolution monitors. So you never know what, what the devices are that they're going to be viewing your website on. And what, what Twitter bootstrap, one of the things I really like about it, in addition to that, it looks, very uh, appealing is that it really works well across a multitude of different um, screen sizes. So I can look at my website on my mobile phone or I can look at it on my desktop and I will still have a good experience browsing my website. Octopress also came with an HTML5 video plugin which meant it was very easy to integrate uh, HTML5 video. Uh, and I ended up customizing this part for my particular needs, but, but because I, um, my blog was a screencasting blog where I posted videos, it was, this is one thing that was very important to me. Um, I ended up cha- it, by default, the Octopress video plugin uses just MP4, X264 files, basically. And, um, if your browser is not compatible in playing these, it'll display a flash video. And I wanted a few more options, so I ended up uh, changing the code for mine and to also enable uh, OG videos and uh, WebM videos in the HTML5 format. So if you visit the site, uh, depending on the browser that you have, it'll go through and try to find one version of the video that'll play correctly in your web browser so that we, I didn't have to rely on Flash or YouTube or anything like that to have my videos displayed. And then finally, uh, the, the one of the big selling points for me in, in using Octopress was... The deployment scripts that it comes with. It's so incredibly easy to write your blog post and uh, it's just a two-letter command in the terminal to d- deploy it and make it live. All right, so now that you have an idea of, of really the beauty of a static site generator, uh, I'm going to give you some of the requirements. I'm not going to list all the or read the code out loud because it, it can get very boring, but I will have list of commands in the show notes that you can then follow to get your blog or website published using Octopress. Um, In order to set up your environment, you're going to have to have a few tools installed on your computer. Octopress depends on Git, and Git is the version control system uh, used quite extensively in the open source community uh, because of its flexibility. And the nice thing about using Git to distribute Octopress is that really it's it's compatible in almost any environment. Um, so all, all you're doing when you're installing Octopress on your computer is really cloning the repository uh, of Octopress, and it creates a folder uh, that you can then use to change the files to publish your own website. Um, it also requires Ruby, uh, like I said before. Um, now, I know in the open source Linux community, uh, Ruby is not quite as common as some other similar programming language such as Python. But if you've never given Ruby a try, I would highly recommend it to learn the very basics. It shouldn't take too long. I will try to include some resources in the show notes that you can use to get your feet wet with Ruby. But even if you don't feel like spending the time learning Ruby you can still use Octopress because really what you're using when you're using Octopress is just its text editor and a few commands on the command line so you need Ruby installed now installing Ruby can have its own problems uh, particularly because Octopress requires Ruby 1.9.3 and a lot of systems including the Ubuntu LTS 12.04 I don't believe come with a version that's 1.9.3 or later uh, so, in order to get around these issues, there are a number of tools in the Ruby community that were developed that allow you to install localized versions of Ruby and quickly switch between the system one and the local one or have several versions of, in a local system so you can have different projects, each with, which a different version of Ruby. And the one that I recommend is RBM, one, uh, R-B-E-N-V. Um, also there, there's another one that's quite popular called RBM. And you can use these tools to download um, any version of Ruby that you want, locally compile it on your computer, and it essentially saves it on your home uh, folder so that you can then use that version instead of the system installed one. Now, Ruby is a requirement only on your local computer. You don't have to worry about having Ruby installed on your web server or wherever you're going to deploy this uh, website eventually. Because it is just a static HTML website. All you really need is a web server. But in order to generate these static HTML pages, you do need Ruby installed on your local computer or where, or whatever computer you're going to use to create your blog posts and use Octopress. So once you have Ruby installed and, um, you have, uh, Git installed, you'll also need a text editor. Now, there's a million text editors out there. Um, you know, the two big ones, of course, being, vim and emacs and really it doesn't matter which one or which text editor you use as long as it can edit plain text files so pretty much anything can do that you know i personally use emacs because i've grown to love it and i have my whole configuration set up but really it doesn't matter all you need is a basic text editor you don't need to learn a dreamweaver or front page or any of those silly tools and that's one thing that i really like about octopress is that if you have any knowledge on html you can still use it. Um, you don't really have to learn a whole new system other than a few commands on the command line. Everything that you know about HTML still applies. If you know a little bit of Ruby, you can really take full advantage of Octopress by creating your own scripts, by customizing what's available, but really with a little basic HTML knowledge and a, f- a knowledge of few uh, commands on the command line, that's all you really need to get started. So the commands on the command line... Um, Are very simple. The the ones that you're going to need to create a new blog post are uh, one called rake new underscore post. That'll create the blog post for you. And the blog posts are just basically text files, and you would type in the markdown format. So you don't even have to type HTML into your blog posts. You would just type plain text as you would do any any document, and it will uh, integrate that when the site gets generated into the HTML. So in order to generate this HTML, you would type into the command line rake generate, and it would take all the source files and generate the static HTML for you. Then you can just take these static HTML pages and upload them into your server, but to make that even easier... Octopress comes with a command called rake deploy, which will take your default configuration, or the default configuration is through uh, rsync, and sync them up with your server. Um, The nice thing about Octopress, too, is that it integrates with GitHub Pages. So if you're looking for a web host provider and would like to try out something free, uh, maybe you want to test Octopress to see if it is the solution for you you can create a GitHub account or associate it with a repository that you have on GitHub and use Octopress to publish your website to the GitHub repository. There is a setup script that will let you, walk you through the process of doing this, and there are two commands that you need to know. One is uh, rake set underscore root underscore deer, which will set your root directory for your uh, website. Now, of course, Normally, it is the root directory that is the root of your website, but but in order to deploy, deploy it as a um, GitHub project page, you need to set a new root directory that's not the root of your website. Um, then the next step would be to type in rake space setup underscore GitHub underscore pages, which will walk you through the process of setting up your GitHub page and then deploy it automatically and for free. Those are the basics of uh, using Octopress, and I know there's a lot more detail, which you can find out in the documentation. Hopefully you understand why it's been important to me to use a static site generator to generate my blog, and really, the workflow is so simple that once you try this, you'll never want to use anything else, really. All right, so that's it for me. If you have any feedback, please uh, feel free to contact me. I can be reached on google plus with the username tony pelias that's t-o-n-y p-e-l-a-e-z or by email at tony at pelias dot me You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HPR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Phenomenicon Computer Club. HPR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All binref projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Share Alive, 3.0 License.